Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we're here to get into the recent Purdue loss to Wisconsin uh, at Mac. Never happened. (laughs) Never happened. We're going to look ahead. um, 13-0. Yes, we're going to look ahead to what Purdue has coming up on the schedule, but also kind of talk about what Purdue needs to do to kind of right this ship and get things fixed after a uh, second consecutive Big Ten loss. So they now sit at one and two in conference. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about something that has gone on in the sports world, uh, and I've been tweeting about it, and I just it kind of frustrated me, so I wanted to just be able to vent about it. So, Casey, you ready for the question? Yeah. Uh, did you see Kirk Herbstreet's rant about people opting out of bowl games? I didn't actually watch it. I but you know what it was said. pretty dumb. Okay, so for you and for our listeners, uh, Herbstreet went on a little bit of a rant at the uh, when he was in the Rose Bowl, you know, with College Game Day, um, about how players these day, these days just don't love the game. And I'm going to read you the full quote just to be fair to Herbstreet. Because uh, he's a guy I've always liked. I've always thought he's he's added something to the conversation. I think he's good when he's in the booth. So, uh, And I think he's always been fair to Purdue, which is all I can ask. So he says, what's the difference as a player when saying these games are meaningless when Des, meaning 
uh, Desmond Howard, his fellow co-host on College Game Day, we played in meaningless, quote, meaningless games, end quote. I mean, I know you guys, meaning Michigan, were here a lot. I just don't understand. If you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We compete? I don't know if changing the playoff or expanding it is going to change anything. I really don't. I just think this era of football player just doesn't love football. I mean, I get why he said it, because if the players that opted out were as bad at football as he was, <laughs> the games would matter more because he knows there's no more games waiting for them. Right, yeah, this is your last I game. think that's the problem. The, the players are just too talented. Um, it sounds it, like he has an issue with players that have NFL prospects, which he has no idea what that was about. So, true, yeah, true. Why, he probably did care more about every game because those were his last. So my problem with this is – That's a good thing. Uh, it was. It was good. I should have let it sit a little more before I jumped in. Uh, so my problem with this is my problem with with most things that Rich go in this. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that far, but sure. Uh, old, I would say. I would add in older. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's always well in my generation, in my time, we didn't do yeah. this. Blah blah blah. And it's always the generation below you is always shit and is always terrible and has no morals and no values. And in fact, I, you know, said as much on Twitter and someone, of course, jumped into the mentions and said, you know, we as a country used to value those things. We don't anymore. Mm. And it's just like, just shut up. So just, I, here's just a stop. Here's a basic question I would like to ask Kirk Herbstreit if, if he was in front of me. How many hours a day when he was on the football team did he train or practice in football? And do you think that amount is more or less than what kids do today? Yeah, that's fair. Because I've heard stories from people that were athletes back in the day, and 90% of their stories were not about them trading. Yeah. <laughs> they did not They did not have to take the game as seriously off the field as these players do nowadays. There's a reason why all the players are better, are more polished, are breaking all these records. It's because they train, they work out, they eat right. They're smarter about the game. I've listened to the commentators for the last 30 years of players that played 20, 30, 40 years before. They're not as smart. They're not as fast. They're not, not as strong. Uh, not, I guess they were tougher, but, you know, they were also Allegedly. loaded up on amphetamines and yeah. all the painkillers under God just wrapped into their veins. So I don't want to hear it. I don't care. They don't take the game. Like, it's, I don't know what awful twisted nostalgia goes into you that makes you think the next generation has to be worse than yours to validate you, but it just goes on, on yeah. and on and on. Yeah. I mean, it's this weird thing that comes up anytime. I don't know what age you have to get to before you start looking down on those younger than you as not having a work ethic, only caring about certain things and, you know, not having the great upstanding moral fiber that folks in your generation do, but you just get to a certain age apparently, and you just decide I have to dump on the people below me. And I think what you said is is a good point to validate yourself, um, to to show how good of a person and how moral and upstanding you are. You have to point out the failings in in your head uh, of those that are younger than you, and and how much better things used to be. And you know, it, there's just. I don't know why this sentiment is so rich, and it's been going on forever. It's not just a Kirk, Her- Kirk Herbstreet thing. It's every generation says it about the one below him. It's been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, you can find quotes from philosophers from hundreds of years ago talking down to those younger than them about how they didn't want to work. I mean, it's just 
It's just outrageous. Exactly. And it just annoys the hell out of me. It's just, it it infuriates me every time. And, and I'm not even the generation he's talking about at this point. You know, I'm 36 years old. He's talking about kids that are, you know, anywhere from 17 to 22. You know, those kids and I don't really have much in common generation wise, but I, I feel like I have to defend them because he's just throwing them under the bus for no damn reason. It's, it's a worthless comment to, he shills for ESPN. He works for ESPN. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's the other point. Is. These bowl games aren't making us as much money because they're dumb, and they overextended themselves. And there's no reason that these kids should care about your paycheck. You don't care about theirs. Yeah. So, uh, I fuck mean, off, Carb Street. <laughs> I mean, you look at, like, the, these guys, especially, you know, the ones who opt out, they are generally the most talented. They're the ones that have the most to lose. Should something go wrong in the Foster Farms Bowl or the Duke Mayo whatever bowl or the independence bowl we or the bell helicopter. Mayo. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but those are the players that opt out. The ones that have the most to lose, you know, these are kids who it doesn't matter what background they come from. It doesn't matter if they're wealthy coming in or if they're dirt poor, the money they stand to make in the next level is life changing, life changing for them, life changing for their family, life changing for, uh, any, you know, a spouse, children they might have. It's a generational change for a family uh, if you can go in the NFL and make a damn good payday, like a lot of these kids in the first round, second round, and beyond do, you know, even if you're even if you're an undrafted free agent and you find a way to stick in the league, you can make a ton of money and it can change your whole entire life. And there is no reason someone should risk all of that money and all that opportunity because you know they think an old guy like Herb Street. Or someone, some alumni at their college wants them to play in, you know, the Motor City Bowl. It's or Little Caesars Bowl or whatever that one in Detroit is these days. Uh, it's just absurd, and and I wanted to at least uh, put that out there about how annoyed I was, and some of the mentions and on Twitter after I talked about it just annoyed the hell out of me. So I needed to vent a little bit. So thank you for allowing me that time. <laughs> and now we've got to go into the not so fun stuff. Uh, we all watch the game. You know, Purdue fell to Wisconsin at Mackey Arena. This is, I think, only Wisconsin's fourth or fifth time ever winning at Mackey against Purdue. Um, we obviously don't count the NCAA tournament when they played a game at Mackey uh, here do. recently. <laughs> well, yeah. But it wasn't a win against Purdue, so it doesn't count in my book. Um, so Purdue got beat 74-69, and, I mean, the defense – I think, is the uh, elephant in the room at this point. Guess Purdue, where we are now on the uh, Ken Palm defensive rating. We had dropped uh, from 20 to 40 yeah, we, to 60. 78. 70. God. Still significant so, after one game. Yeah. And, and, I mean, to me, watching the game, the effort just didn't seem to be there. We talked about it in the group chat a bit about how there were so many lazy box outs on defense that allowed Wisconsin to get offensive rebounds that led to points. And there were any number of failures on defense, but if Purdue could have just fixed that, they would have won the game. It would have been ugly, it would have been close, but they probably would have won the game. And there's just so much that needs fixed with this Purdue team. So, um, Casey, what stood out to you as as the big problem on the or at this game, or more generally, what do you think the problem with this Purdue defense is right now? Who do you think had the worst plus minus of the game? Well, Hunter. Yeah. He played 20 minutes. He played 20. I didn't even realize he played that long. He played 20 minutes, and it's plus minus, and a five-point loss was minus 19. His stat line, two points on one of four shooting, one missed three. 
He grabbed a rebound, assisted twice, turnover twice. What? Why is he getting 20 minutes? Well, here's my follow-up. We've played in the last two games against two elite guards, correct? Yes. Uh, Davis and Gordon. Gordon dropped 29 points, and Davis dropped 37. I would say he had 30-plus. I know that. 37 points. Gordon is the small kind of shooting guard, and Davis is a bigger, stronger guard. So Hunter can't guard either, correct? Well, I mean, if he was the main assignment uh, for either of these guys, it would appear I mean, so. He would I know. Not. I know. Yeah, that's what he, I, I know. I know not. Painter threw a bunch of guys. But isn't the whole point of Hunter is that he is that guy? Well, shouldn't that be his bring, point? It should be. And last year, he was hyped up very highly as the next great Purdue defender. You could see it in spurts uh, at times. Um, he played some great defense here and there. I didn't quite get the hype of him being, you know, the next Rafael Davis or the next Chris Kramer as far as a, a defensive standout for Purdue. Uh, you know, he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. I don't even believe he made the all-defense team last year. Um, and then this year, I, I don't know if it's just not starting. I don't know what the regression has been caused by, but he just looks lost out there. It is a problem on offense for most of his career. You couldn't tell me what he does best. You can't really find out what he does well. And he plays like an offensive player that doesn't know what he does. He His bag of tricks is mostly mid-range. Jumpers yeah. off the dribble, which is the worst shot in basketball as right. is. Yeah, I mean, you you rather take the one step back, take a three. You know, it's just more valuable. Every analytical review says that. And he's bad at it. So, not great. Defensively is where he should hang his hat. He should fill in the missing marks that we get from playing a really small guard in Isaiah Thompson, who was also yeah. not good today. Did not score no, in 20 no. minutes. Well, And he had that, that back-to-back... I mean, terrible possession, and then when he got the ball back, a terrible shot. I mean, he turned it over, and then when he got the ball back, another terrible shot. I believe it was the end of the half, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he he gave Wisconsin a two-for-one. Yeah. Just, I don't know why Thompson started in the second half after doing that. <laughs> like, Well, I guess the question is, with, with both Hunter Jr. and Thompson not really playing how we need them to play, who do you put in their place? You know you who know, I put in their place. Well, I know, but I, you know, not everybody sees everything we say in a group chat. So I need you to tell me. I who said it on Twitter too. Uh, Ethan Morton. Why? Why not? At this yeah. point, why not? He so, takes care of the- I, before we get into it, we have gone off on Ethan Morton. I that is not what I take away from this. Do you uh, mean you? We, do you mean we went off on Eric Hunter Jr.? We went off. No, we've gone off on. Ethan Morton being the son that was oh, promised. gotcha, gotcha. In the past. This is what I take away from this game. We had eight guys play 20 minutes or more, and we had two guys play six minutes each. I am imploring. And part of this could just be that first came back from COVID, but Caleb First and Brandon Newman both played six minutes. We have watched what happens when certain players fall out of the rotation. They don't they, – they, they start playing some bad games, their minutes get cut, and they just eventually fall off the rotation. Yeah. At some point, Painter has to be able to make players better in season. Not just the ones that show up themselves, the ones that are struggling. He has to be able to do something to bring them back. Because what we are excited about this team at the beginning of the year was the depth and the certain pieces that raise our ceiling. And Brandon Newman and Caleb First are two people that raise our ceiling. First is big, strong, athletic, 
knows how to move the ball. He looked amazing the first few games, including two wins against North Carolina and Villanova, teams that we are going to play in the Sweet 16, in the round of 32, in the tournament when it matters, and he was one of the best players on the court. Yeah, he was great. He, you he exceeded can, expectations. You cannot let him fall out of the rotation. And Brandon Newman has had enough flashes in his few years here at Purdue that he cannot fall out to a six-minute-a-game player. When you're playing Isaiah Thompson 20 minutes and you're playing Eric Hunter Jr. 20 minutes, you have to make them better somehow. Whatever they need to make their game easier for them, get them in some rhythm, gain some confidence, that's a little bit on Painter. It's easy to take players and put them on the bench and just not play them. If we want to make where we want to be, if we are a Final Four team, which we no longer look like, we need those kind of players to play. So here's where I'll push back. But let me, before I do this, I agree we need to get Newman and we need to get first back in the rotation, more minutes, because like you said, it's hard to get better during a season if you're sitting on the bench. All that being said, Purdue is going into a really tough stretch of their schedule. We talked earlier uh, this year or last month in December, how tough this January stretch of games is. Um, There are a lot of hard games coming up for this team. Just an example, um, at Michigan, at Illinois, at Indiana, we go to Iowa versus Ohio State. That is all in the month of January. Purdue needs to win those games for a number of reasons. You know, We want to make sure we have the best seed possible going into the NCAA tournament because while a Big Ten title would be nice, you and I both think that this team has – the talent and is capable of doing more than simply winning a Big Ten title. We think they have the talent to get to a Final Four. So to do that, you need to give yourself the best chance possible. Once you get to a tournament, you need to give yourself the best seed possible. So Purdue needs to win tough games against tough opponents. And if you have people like Brandon Newman and Caleb First, who we both agree need more minutes and need to find themselves back to where they can be, how do you do that in these difficult games where if you've got a guy out there who can't find himself and is, you know, bringing the team down or not carrying their weight, how do you continue to play them in those situations and how do you give them a longer leash if they're not pulling their weight? Like I'm I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast. I obviously don't have all the answers or intricacies well, yes. <laughs> to how it works. I, I will say one thing which is more of a throwaway. If Painter can't turn Caleb first into a winning player, He's not as good as a coach as we think he is. He's too talented. He's too good at too many things with his size that he should be more than a six-minute player. I don't know how much this is COVID. He hit a little wall before that, sure. But yeah. I, I think specifically with Brandon, we have watched guards that don't get it for, for Boehner, and they just don't play, and they fall away, and they transfer. That's what we see. Uh, Kendall yeah. Stevenson. Kendall Stevens, the first one that comes to mind, yeah. Right. So what can you do to make his life easier? And part of it is not putting him on the court with Eric Hunter. Why? Because Eric Hunter doesn't make anyone's life easier when he's on the court. That's how you That's how you have a bad plus minus. That's how you are not – he's not a creator. He's not a shooter. He is someone that people ignore. So space just shrinks around him. At least Thompson has the threat of a shot, which is falling away pretty quickly. He yeah. was really hot to start the season. And now we're just seeing his downside mode. Well, I mean, it goes back to what you said when those those offseason um, previews we talked about. You know, you can you can play really well against some bad opponents, but as the competition ratches it up, do you maintain that ability? And Thompson shot the lights out. I think he was somewhere around 60% from three uh, at the beginning of the year. But 
if you can't keep it up where it matters in Big Ten season and beyond, you have to find another way to add something to the team. He is down to shooting 50% from three. Well, I mean, still down, very good. Still very good, yeah. Still very good. But uh, <laughs> that number is lifted by going three of five against Nichols, two of five against Incarnate Word. Yeah. And Butler, two of four. NC State, he's 0-1. Rutgers, he's 0-2. Iowa, didn't even take a three. Those are games where we need him to step up and do things. But I'm just saying that Newman needs some help. He needs yeah. easy lanes or wide open shots. Not not everyone could use those, but he's actually really good at those two things. So it's valuable to put him on the floor with people that can create space for him to attack. We've He's one of a few guards on our team that can score 20, 30 points a night, and we've seen him do it in a lot of different ways. Like, Hunter's never going to drop 20. Like, it's certainly not this Hunter that we're seeing anymore. So, I mean, do you think the main problem with this, you know, with both First and Newman, is that they don't have someone on the court who can facilitate? Um, Thompson, uh, you know, we've talked about his limitations as a point guard in the past. Uh, Eric Hunter Jr., obviously, you know how we feel about him. Um, he's just struggling right now. And if you throw in Ethan Morton and have him maybe handle some of the point guard duties or else you put the ball more in Jaden Ivey's hands, granted, you know, Painter's offense isn't really point guard dependent. Um, do you think that would make a difference by either getting Thompson, uh, away from the ball for more of a spot up shooting role or just getting Hunter Jr. off the court and throwing Morton, uh, in his spot? Is that going to be enough to help Newman? I think Morton's going to help everyone on the court. I think we've seen enough of that to this point where he is just instant chemistry for the offense. I I think Newman really is helped out by being the fourth or fifth option when you put a guy who's not a great one-on-one defender and force them to have to help. I think that's where Newman really can thrive. He When he has a clear lane to drive through, he's good to, good at finishing. He has a good jump shot when it's open. He forces things a lot, and that's a problem because he does it early in the shot clock. And you don't want to see that. But if you keep the ball in the hands of your playmakers more, allow him some more space, he can get into some of the good things he does. And defensively, I think we really need him, clearly. Yeah, we need Thompson well, we need and Hunter Thompson. is not the answer on the perimeter. Ivy needs to step up, and Newman needs to be able to play and step up because we need those bigger, more athletic guards. Newman and Ivy can guard one through three. Without a problem. That's how athletic and long they are. And, like, we need help on the defensive end, and Nguyen is one of the answers we have on our roster. Yeah. So whatever we can do to make his life on offense easier, a little more seamless, we've got to try. And Painter's got to be a little less rigid about that. And you you can't play 40 minutes of Thompson and Hunter right now. Yeah. That's not yeah, a they, winning they're, team. They're just not getting it done. No. And. It's interesting the way you described Newman there, and you're probably going to scoff at me as I say this, but uh, let me repeat why I think that, and then we'll we'll see if you agree or disagree. Uh, so you said he's going to be a guy who will uh, be helped by being the fourth or fifth option. He can shoot the three, and he can get to the hoop. Um, he has some talent on defense that I think we could utilize, and uh, to me, of a former Purdue player that that reminds me of, I'm going. DJ Bird. I am going to say DJ Bird. <laughs> How did you know that? I DJ Burke couldn't get to the hoop, could he? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, it wasn't his strong suit, but, I mean, he was big and strong, and he would just try to bully by people. That That is the type of player, though. Like, DJ Burke was helped out that. 
DJ Bird was helped out by his team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we saw what happened, mm. you know. Uh, his, he was he, way better junior, than he ever should have been. Well, yeah, I mean, his junior or senior year when he was, like, supposed to be the guy on the team, that was one of the, the worst Purdue teams, you know. That was when a decline started to happen. You know, no no shade to DJ Bird. That's just what, what happened. He wasn't the guy. Um, and the way you describe Brandon Newman there, the first player that came to my mind was was DJ Bird. So uh, I think if I think if uh, Newman could pop into a role like DJ Bird had when when he wasn't the the top option, that would be great for this team. Yeah, that 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 role makes more sense for what he can do. And it, he's six five, two hundred pounds, and athletic. Yeah, uh, we Not don't have a ton of that on our team. No one does. You you no, never exactly. have enough of that. So. Enough about those people, those players. Let's talk about something else. Um, you know, one of the things you talked about it, when we were looking at this game was the matchup uh, of Jaden Ivey and the the uh, the stud from Wisconsin, who I'm blanking on his name. What was his name? Jones? Johnny Davis. Davis. I was like, I don't remember. He's got a twin brother. Whatever. He only dropped 37 on us. Yeah. Um and, you know, they talked about it during the broadcast as well, about how they were both on the uh, World University Games and how they became friends and how hard it is to play against your friends. But if you just look it's at that matchup, hard. well, you know, that's what they said. I'm not, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a D1 athlete. I don't know. I love playing against my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> love to talk smack. But, uh, you know, if, if you were looking at it as a matchup between those two and those college scouts that were in attendance, inclu- or college scouts, uh, NBA scouts in attendance, including um, Brad Stevens was at the game, um, you know, Ivy certainly did not come out on the winning side of that comparison. I mean, do you disagree? No. I Davis is limited by his athleticism. Like, he's stronger than he is a big leaper, super, super quick. So it, it depends what you value. And most people are going to value Ivy's gifts, but like that, that was a C minus Ivy and yeah. Danny Davis dropped 37 points in Mackey. He was, and he looked tremendous. He, I mean, he, he had 14 rebounds. Yeah. He controlled yeah. the entire game uh, for Wisconsin at one point um, in the game. I mean, he had like 30 of their 61 points. And of course you said he wound up with 37 and Wisconsin scored 74. So he had fully 50% of the Wisconsin points. And I mean, it's just crazy how well he played. He was everywhere. He was hitting everything. And again, for for Jaden Ivy, Wisconsin I just think, shot twenty five percent from three and beat and, us at Mackey. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, this is not a Purdue team that's going to destroy the other team on defense and hold them to you know fifty eight, fifty nine points. I mean, we saw games against Incarnate Word and um, Nichols where they're just putting a bunch of points on the board and come Big Ten season, as we're in now, we're in the heart of it, that's that's going to be a big problem. You know, when you allow 90 to Nichols, and I mean, granted, only 59 to Incarnate Word, but still, it's Incarnate Word. I mean, what are we doing? Um, we're going to have some trouble. And to me, like I talked about at the beginning, a lot of it was just, they just looked a step slow. I don't know if maybe the effort wasn't there. I, I don't know what was going on, but um, you've mentioned in the past that you think one of the problems with this Purdue defense is the doubling of the post. Uh, and I'm wondering if you could you could say why you think that's a problem and what not doing that would do for this Purdue defense. I think the biggest problem is that our two most consistent defensive players are Edie and Williams. Right, and we don't play them at the same time. And when they're on the floor, anyone going against them, that that's fine. That's the least mismatch 
on the court. And we don't we don't double in a way that most teams do. We double from the other guy in the post a lot. So we are asking for a guard to come down and cut off that other guy, which is hard to do. You have to be paying attention. You have to be on your ball effort-wise. And you have to be taller than Thompson. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean. You just they, do. They, like, we literally have defensive assignments where we double in a place where Thompson has to slide down and guard a big in the post. Yeah, and there was at least there was at least one possession, and there may have been more, but there's only one that pops to my mind, where uh, his defender got the ball and realized Thompson was on him yeah. and, like, swooped around him for an easy bucket, two points. You can't do that. And you especially can't do it when you play a team like Wisconsin who are playing two seven-footers most of the game, two big guys. Uh, I was calling for it on Twitter. If we were ever going to try two bigs, that would have been the game to do it because they had two guys that weren't going to beat us. And I just want us to make teams beat us one-on-one in the post. Let them try. But you're not going to score on Edie with your back to the basket. And Trey is a pretty good defender. He's been playing for four years now. If you can't guard in the post one-on-one – we don't have the perimeter defenders or clean, crisp rotations that allow us to play that way, and I don't know why we're pretending we do. It's the way we've yeah, always really, played. Teams are depending on that. Get the yeah. ball in the post, something good will happen. That's not what your defensive philosophy should be. Yeah, and Williams, um, to your point, I mean, he's looked, I think, better defensively this year than he has any other year, uh, and it just shows his progression, you know, from season to season. And Edie, you know, he's seven foot four. Yeah, people are going to score on him every now and then, but it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to score around a seven foot four guy. Um, you know, he's still a little bit raw here and there on defense, but uh, he he is a lot better than a lot of big men we're going to see. So uh, I agree. I think we need to put more trust in those big men because then it would hopefully uh, reduce some of the stress on our perimeter defense that has really struggled. Yeah, it's just anytime an offense knows what you're gonna do, it's unless you unless you have a team full of Chris Kramers, right. unless you have Jawan Johnson defending the rim, if you don't have those elite guys, you better not give them easy looks at the bucket. And we are giving away easy looks at the bucket in places where we don't we are giving up our advantage in the places the few places we have it on the defensive end. And it just kind of seems stubborn at this point. Well, and that, I mean, as much as I love Matt Painter, that's always been one criticism of him is that he's very much like stuck in his ways and what he wants to do. Uh, obviously, he's his offense has, has grown uh, throughout the years, and his defensive philosophy has changed a little bit as the rules have changed. Um, but he does seem to be a, a slow to change. He always seems to get there eventually, but it, he kind of has to be dragged there a little bit. Um, and this may be one of those seasons where one of his assistants is going to have to say, hey, look, you know, you, you've seen what's been happening out there. Uh, we got to change it up, and here's what we, I think we should do. Um, he's got a good set of assistants around him, and I trust those guys to come in and, and hopefully make a little change uh, to the defense because, as I said, if we want to get a good seed come NCAA tournament time, we've got to start winning some of these tough Big Ten games, especially these road games that we've got coming up. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a good Trey game. It no. It wasn't a good Ivy game. Zach Eady was terrific. Yeah, he was great. Uh, 24 points, 10 of 17. Just the weight, and he missed, he missed bunnies he doesn't normally make. Yeah. Shots that I'm happy with him taking. I But, you know, another double-double, he looked I, – I haven't seen him so consistently aggressive getting into good spots the way he did against Wisconsin. They did a pretty good job of holding up. They got, once again, the benefit of the doubt because the 7-4 guy is never going to yeah, be his- the one catching the whistle. 
Right. And, you know, it's again, it's it's the problem that Purdue has had, you know, for the last eight, nine years because we've had so many big men. It is not their fault that their elbows are at most people's heads. He definitely uh, was know. throwing it more that oh, game yes. than he normally yes. does. Yes. I mean, the one, I don't remember which one it was, but uh, he I mean, he very clearly extended the elbow. But um, it, at a certain point, you ju- the ref just has to understand that he is literally a foot taller than a lot of people. So uh, when he turns, if he is going to hit somebody in the head, it's not intentional. It's just he's clearing space, and he's allowed to do that. So it, it's it's unfortunate the refs still don't understand that, but it's, here we are. Yeah, it was a weird game because if I told you, like, we shot 40% from three, they shot 25. We we turned the ball over 12 times, but they turned it over seven. Uh, they only had a 12 to 10 turnover point advantage on us. Uh, we out-rebounded them by about five. Uh, we had 19 assists to 13 for them. This, this was a Johnny Davis performance. Yeah, and the glaring hole is we don't have a perimeter defender that can shut down a real guy like that. Which is why everything we've talked about: play Orton more, play Newman more, play Thompson and Wheeler less. Wheeler. This team's gonna Wheeler. Sorry, this team is gonna depend on Jay Nivey being Team USA. Jay Nivey, who just wants to get after it on the defensive end, because yeah. he caught two fouls early, didn't play the last ten minutes of the first half, and was never the kind of guy that could stop. Davis one-on-one, and he did a fairly good job on challenging mid-range shots, and Davis made a lot of tough ones, but Ivy needs to wreck the game defensively. That's how good he is. That's how good he could be, and we need to see that, and right now, the only perimeter defender we have that's good, like giving us effort and doing stuff constantly, is Ethan Morton, so play him. Yeah, yeah, I I, agree. His his numbers are terrific. He hit a three, um, only took two shots, uh, drew some fouls, uh, had six rebounds, four assists, no turnovers, and had two steals. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been on the uh, Ethan Morton bandwagon all off season and all season, so you're not going to have to convince me. So I, I think we've we've beat this loss to death. Um, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and look ahead to Penn State coming up this Saturday. And we are back to take a look at the next Purdue men's basketball game coming up this Saturday. Going to be a noon tip uh, on BTN. Purdue is headed to Penn State to take on uh, former Purdue assistant coach uh, Micah Shrewsbury, who is now the head man over there at Penn State. They are coming off a big victory um, over Indiana, 61-58. We always love to see IU lose. That was their first um, Penn State's first Big Ten victory of the season. They currently sit at 1-2 and two in conference play, and uh, they were coming off a three-game COVID cancellation, uh, but seemingly everything is back to normal in the program there. And uh, before they play us, they will have one more game. Actually, tonight they are going to play Northwestern at 9 p.m. So um, this is another one of those games to me. You know, we've talked about it in the past. This is a team that Purdue should beat. Um, you know, they don't really have a world beater on their team that could really take it to us, but can Purdue put it together and play like we believe that they can? So, uh, Casey, am I wrong in that, or or is this something we need to worry about? At this point, we have to worry about every game. Uh, I yeah, think what no, we've seen, you make a good point. What we've seen in the Big Ten is that we've struggled offensively against teams that are more familiar with us than, you know. You play Villanova, you play North Carolina, they've got a lot of talent, but... Purdue's an intricate offense, and it's really hard to defend, and it it's hard to know your rotations and where you're weak and who you need to help against in a split second. 
Uh, Penn State kind of has a coach who was an architect of this offense. Yeah, he kind of knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got a. I think he tweeted about, um, you know, they we've got a good scout for that Purdue team. Obviously, talking about himself. Yeah, they're not going to be surprised by anything they see. Um, everyone on the Purdue team now was well, besides first was on the team when he was coaching. He knows he knows them. He knows, uh, you know, just. Just pulled off an upset against Indiana. He's got his team playing hard. They're going to feel themselves a little bit. Uh, we'll see how they do on the road against Northwestern. But, yeah, this is a team that they're going to look to take it to Purdue. Uh, they're going to look to – I guarantee you they're going to grab off ball constantly because refs are not calling it. Yeah. And it's making it very hard for our shooters uh, to get into these sets and off screens with much space. And – this offense is what Penn State's going to run. They're going to un- the defenders, the players for Penn State are going to understand it on a level where they're not having to think a bunch. They're just going to react, knowing how the offense is supposed to work. That is a challenge. They've also got a lot of guards that are dangerous at different levels. I don't love you saying that because uh, guards that have talent seem to be the Achilles' heel for this Purdue team. Indeed, Johnny Davis just went off on us. Gordon just went off on us. Ron Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr. went off on. I mean, it seems like the trend is if a team has a a really stud guard, those are the games that Purdue needs to be nervous about. Absolutely. Um, the one thing is that Penn State isn't just – they've got small guards and they've got small big men. Uh, they've only got one guy over 6'9", playing more than half them. Uh, John Harrar's been really good. He's one of the best rebounders in the country. Uh, 32% defensive rebounding rate. That's fourth best in the country. 23rd best offensive reader, rebounder in the country. Uh, good athlete, just works his tail off on the court, but he is six foot nine. That might work against Trey. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> some quick math tells me that is seven inches yeah. shorter than uh, Zach Eady is listed. So uh, that is going to be quite a feat uh, to guard someone who is seven foot, or seven foot, seven inches taller than you. Yeah. So, and they only have one other guy, six eight, that plays any actual minutes. So. They are tiny, tiny, and we just watched Purdue foul out two big men for Wisconsin. One thing about Wisconsin, they had the guard play, and they have seven-footers. Right. Penn State is a not very deep team. The one thing you can say, they're all juniors and seniors, uh, whether they were transfers or have been there the yeah, whole time. Yeah, they, they got a lot of transfers. Uh, they were very active in the offseason once Shrewsbury came in. Yeah, these guys are very good or very experienced, so it's going to be a challenge. It's the way we're playing. It's absolutely going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, Purdue hasn't hasn't won on the road in the Big Ten yet. Right. The, you can't tell me the Penn State team is much worse than that Rutgers team, which is Rutgers is better than they looked. Yeah, they clearly. just had a they just had a win. Um, so that will hopefully make that loss look a little better. Right. They just beat Michigan at home, yeah. so they're up to eight and five now. They've won three straight. So yeah, it's it's the Big Ten. No games are going to be easy. That's the whole point. That's why we're yeah. here. Like, yeah, one thing I'll, one thing I'll say about playing on the road, um, I've not been to Rutgers uh, to watch a game, but I have always heard you know that is a tough stadium to play in, a tough arena to play in. So uh, I'll give give their fans that. I have been to a game at Penn State, and uh, let me tell you why. Hey, what? Well, why? you know, uh, we went when we were um, uh, did with you the trip pain. and fall in Pennsylvania, and not no, 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 able no. to get up. This was a game where Purdue had a chance to clinch a Big Ten title. Uh, so we went to that game, and they did. They well, they had to win. Oh, okay. If they won, they they uh, 
clinch a title, and then they did. So we were there to watch them uh, clinch the Big Ten title. So that was a that was a good time. But let me tell you, that stadium not exactly the most intimidating place to play a game. So hopefully the atmosphere won't be as uh, rough on the Boilermakers as it was at uh, Jersey Mike's over in Piscataway. Oh, that is what they call it. Yep. <laughs> it used to. It used to be the rack, but now it's Jersey Mike's. So uh, quite a downgrade, I'd say, in name. But I, I'm sure they still call it uh, the rack, just like I will always call that dining court at Purdue uh, uh, Stadium rather than Ford. So uh, if you get that reference, you were at Purdue at the same time as me, so keep it up. I'm so bored. Good, good. Well, <laughs> I think that is probably a sign that we should wrap this up. I hope uh, I'm bored during this game. Yeah, exactly. I would love to see Purdue just turn it back on, get a win, uh, even things out in conference play, and then just figure some things out on the defense. Do you think we have a new starting lineup? I do. I do. Who jumps in? I almost think Edie might replace Williams uh, again. (laughs) Edie didn't have a good game. Yeah. It wasn't good. You think that's the only change, though? Uh, I don't know. Think it's going to happen? Morton starting, you mean? Yeah. So far, sub-pattern-wise, he's never been really subbed in as a point guard. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it could it could make a difference, but I mean Thompson had the best plus minus. There you go. So we'll see. It's starting lineups are always kind of interesting. They ultimately don't mean much, but uh, it's it's something that Painter does to reward some effort. So after a, after a terrible effort game, I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes. Oh, after after last night's argument in the group chat, uh, we didn't talk about Mason Gillis at all. Do you do you want to stand up for your boy who's no? We don't have the ne- next icon. We don't have time for that. We'll just leave that for another time. All right. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> All right. For Casey and myself, thank you for listening, everybody. Let's go uh, into Penn State. Let's get this win. All right. Fantastic. <laughs>